0: Now, if you if you turn to Galatians chapter five, we are in the middle of our series walking in the Spirit, and uh, the goal that we had from the beginning was to commit our lives in such a way that we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and allow Him to yield the fruit of the Spirit in our everyday lives. We want the Holy Spirit to produce the character of Christ in us, that when people see us in our marriages our families, our homes, our jobs, in the community, they see Christ in us. They see the Holy Spirit produced in a consistent manner. Not just here or there or every once in a while, but a consistent walk of being like Christ. That's what the power of the Holy Spirit can do in our lives. And we are in message number eight in this series. And the first two messages, we really focused on the dichotomy that happens in our lives when we become a believer in Christ. Before we know Christ, we are nothing but our flesh, and we can only produce the works of the flesh, which is anger and bitterness and wrath and all the lists that we talked about. But when you become saved, when you trust in Jesus Christ, the Spirit of Christ comes to live inside of you through the Holy Spirit. He indwells our heart. We get all of the Holy Spirit. The problem is The Holy Spirit doesn't get all of us. That's a process that happens. A process that we need to submit to the power of the Spirit rather than choosing the power of the flesh. Matter of fact, the Bible describes this as a war. It's a battle. And for those who walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, you know it is a war. Many times somebody will say something or do something to you and anger will rise up in the flesh and you have to yield to the power of the Holy Spirit to exhibit love and self-control and patience. That's That's a hard thing to do, but it's possible. It's possible because we have the Holy Spirit who is now dwelling our hearts, And he puts us through this change, he puts us through this process, and the more we surrender to the Holy Spirit, the more we become like Christ. And if the less we ignore, the more we ignore him or override the Holy Spirit, we begin to grieve him and we quench him and we push him out of our life and we push him out of the areas that we live in. And so maybe if you look at your life and you ask yourself, how are you doing? Are you getting more in the uh, walking more in the power of the Holy Spirit? Are you walking or trying to walk more? Maybe you might say, Well, not really. Well, I was thinking about this week in my life. You know, I have to practice what I preach. And so I ask myself, What helps me to walk more consistently in the power of the Holy Spirit? I think number one, you have to acknowledge the presence of the Holy Spirit is with you wherever you go. And, And whatever we go or wherever we go, To know that you bring the Spirit of God with you will change the way you react to people. will change the way that you react in situations. It's an acknowledgement that you are not only yourself anymore, but now you have the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. And acknowledging that brings an awareness to your life. And so we must acknowledge the presence of the Holy Spirit in the areas of our life. We also must get rid of distractions in our life. A reason why a lot of us do not follow or are led by the Spirit of God is we have too many distractions. And I catch myself sometimes, and my family can attest to this. I will literally be on the phone, on my computer, and watching TV at the same time, all right? And possibly sometimes snoring as well. But any, anyhow, any of those three things. But when you think about the distractions in your life, many times it's stuff that we really don't need, sometimes it's social media. Sometimes it's our phones. You know, as parents, Aaron and I, we set boundaries and limits for our children and the phone and screen time, and you can turn them on and off, and you can put the limits and the borders. But sometimes we need to look at our own screen time. If we're spending three or four hours on Facebook or social media, how in the world do we expect to be led by the Spirit or walking in the power of the Holy Spirit when we're looking at all these other things? We're distracted. So we need to. Uh, recognize the or be aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit. We need to get rid of distractions. Another one is to pray. Before your feet hit the floor in the mornings, you should pray, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit today. I want to know your presence and your power in my life, and I want to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And as you go through your day, if you fail, if you get in the flesh, if that person Hit you at the right time and cut you off on 9B to get in front of you, and your flesh rises up and you say something ungodly or you are impatient or maybe you lash out towards a family member, repent. Just say you were wrong and get back on track. Get back on track and ask the Holy Spirit to continue to work in your life and fill your life. Those are all practical things you can do. To help you walk consistently in the power of the Holy Spirit so that he (coughs) can begin to develop these lasting spiritual fruit. And they literally become a part of your character. That is the goal. That's the goal of this series. That's the goal of the power of the Holy Spirit in your life and in my life. Is that in every area of our life we are exhibiting Christ-like fruit. In our marriages in our parenting, in our community, and in our church. Well, we've been tracking through these fruit. We know there are nine of them. If you turn or you have Galatians 5, 22 through 23, we've said this many times, probably 10 or 12 times over the last several months, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Against such, there is no law. We've been taking them word by word. It's been a little different for me. You guys know that I like to preach book by book, chapter by chapter through the Bible. And so this, uh, this series, I've been taking each one of these fruit and kind of doing a character study or diving deep on them. And we have worked our way through love, joy, and peace. That was the inward fruit. That was the fruit that began to happen in our hearts, that began to happen with our motives, and began to happen on the inside. Then we've covered the next three, which is will be the outward fruit: long suffering, that are known as patience, kindness. Last week, and now this week is goodness. And you say, what is goodness? Well, goodness is one of the last outward fruit that uh, begins to produce itself in our life. As we think about goodness, we realize that it's overlapping with the other two fruit: kindness, long suffering. And goodness go together like a trio. And wherever you see one, you'll usually see the others. And so goodness kind of overlaps, but it also stands on its own. The actual Greek word for goodness here is a gutsoon. It is a meaning or the word defined as a deep-down virtue of moral excellence or righteousness without arrogance or self-promotion. Now, How did you catch that, all right? It's a deep-down virtue of moral excellence or righteousness without arrogance or self-promotion. You can't even find this word in secular Greek sources. It was a word that was coined only for the believers in Christ. As a matter of fact, for the life of Christ. It was a goodness that this world has never seen before, a goodness that the world has never experienced before. So when they would talk about Christians and they would talk about this character of Christ, they would say this goodness was a deep down moral excellence without arrogance or self-promotion. Everything good done in the flesh in this world or in our flesh is done out of prideful or selfish motivations. And it's, it's more or less an act of goodness, but the motivation is different in the flesh. As we operate in the flesh or as we live in this world, we always have good intentions or good works, but we kind of want some selfish recognition or selfish reasons we do this. Have you ever met someone and you thought this person is doing some really nice things and they were really righteous or maybe even doing some moral things, but something about them just doesn't line up, you know? You kind of look at them and you think, well... They are doing good, but their heart, there's something there that just doesn't seem to be congruent or doesn't line up. They are doing good things on the outside, but you you sense an ulterior motive. You sense a motive of recognition or prideful type of, 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 of gain or return. And before we get too down on people like that, sometimes that's us. You know, the temptation for us in the flesh is to do good things so others will think more highly of us. A lot of times we do this at church, right? Oh, how are you doing? I am wonderful, right? I mean, my life is grand, my family is well, we are getting along so great. And you just had World War III in your car before you got to church, right? Right? Or sometimes you might say, well, how is your life going? It's wonderful. I mean, it is great. God is good. He's good all the time. High five, right? But really, we are not good, but yet we want others to think we're good because we want to have some sort of them to think highly of us or to think that we are more than what we really are. That's the flesh. And even doing good things for other people. We want them to think you're a good person, you did some good deeds, but that's the flesh. Doing things on the outside, but your motives are wrong in your heart, that's what the flesh is, but goodness from the Holy Spirit's not like that. When we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, we produce and we do righteous things with a right heart. It is doing the right things with the right heart. I want, to, I want you to look at this in the life of the Pharisees. If you study your Bible, you know in the Gospels, Jesus encountered these Pharisees and these scribes. And his Pharisees had this false piety about them and this selfish, uh, self-promoting righteousness that Jesus easily detected and points out. The Pharisees were the religious ones. They were the ones you would see at the temple. They were the ones doing the work of God. They were the ones who were always keeping the law. They were the ones doing all these things. But what you get and you see from them, they were the religious showboaters. They were always looking godly and doing things in the open and in the public. Uh, For example, in one set of scriptures, Jesus said, Don't be like the Pharisees and pray long and loud prayers in public. And they used vain repetitions and apparently they would stand out for hours and hours and hours and pray, but in all reality, they never sought the Lord in private. It was all for someone to see them pray and get recognition for praying, but their heart was far from the Lord. They would do this with fasting. They would fast from food and they would disfigure their faces. And they would make themselves look weak and emancipated. they They would look like they were just falling apart for people to ask them, How long have you been fasting? Oh, for days and days and days. Not because they were seeking the Lord, but because they wanted someone to ask them. Or they wanted someone to give them credit for looking like they were seeking the Lord. They would do this with their offerings in the temple. They would have collection boxes, and these big collection boxes, they would, have a, they would have coins that they would give for their offerings, and as they would enter the temple, they would make sure that when they would put their offering in, it would be a loud clanging and banging, so everyone would look and say, now that person gave a big offering, right? Like that person was someone who had given, and, and they wanted everyone to know they give a lot. But, but that's not what impresses God. That's not what the Holy Spirit talks about goodness is. It's not to be always in the temple or sitting in the places and being in the prominent places or maybe in all the Bible studies and quoting all the laws and talking about how much you know. Jesus saw right through that. Matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 23 is just one portion of Scripture where he addresses these Pharisees and he tells them in verse 23-28, through 28, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you pay tithe of the mint and the anise and the cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law. Justice and mercy and faith, these you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Blind guides, you who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you cleanse the outside of the cup and the dish, but the inside you are full of extortion and self-indulgence blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside may be clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautifully outwardly, but inward you are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. And in the last verse, even so you outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. The one word you see over and over and over is what? Hypocrites. A hypocrite is a play actor. It was someone who would play a part that they were not actually that person. They would act out something, but yet in reality they were far from that. They did it for the show, and they did it for the money, and they did it for all the wrong reasons, but in real life they were not like that. Have you ever met a celebrity and been let down? I mean, someone that you might have liked or idolized when you was a kid and you finally met him in person, he was like, oh, they're not anything like I thought they were. I can remember when I was a kid, I loved Bo Jackson. And Bo knows, not the barbecue place, right? But Bo knows baseball, Bo knows football. And everybody would talk about Bo playing football, Bo playing baseball, and all these things that he had. Well, a friend of mine, his father was a barber in town, of fruit cove there. owned Mr. Ray's Barbershop, and they were big baseball fans, and so they said, we will take you down with us to the training facilities, and we're going to see Bo Jackson, and I thought, wow, I really want to go see Bo Jackson, so I got in the car, and I was so pumped up to go down there to see Bo Jackson and meet him, and uh, so after the game, all the people were up there. There was probably, I don't know, 500 or 1,000 people out there, and we got our place right in the front there, and some of the Scrubs came out, you know, and given autographs, we're like, that's okay, that's all right, all right, we really want Bo Jackson, so all of a sudden, here he comes, he came out, and of course, everybody went crazy, cheering and loud, and he says, he he waved his arms, and he says, everyone be quiet, be quiet, be quiet, and he said, I'll take the time to sign all the autographs, he said, let me put my bags in the limo. So there was a limo at the end of the line there waiting for him. He walks out to that limo. He puts his bag in the back of the limo. He gets in, and it drives off. Oh, man, I was so upset. I thought, what a loser. You know what I mean? Like, Bono's Bono's is sorry. You know what I mean? Like, I was so disappointed. I thought he was a genuine person, and he would keep his word, and he would do what he said he was going to do, a humble person from Alabama that was a great athlete. But yet, I was sorely disappointed and that's what Jesus is calling these hypocrites. He's saying, you, are, you have this false reality. You have this outward, but your inward is totally different. You're doing the right things, but for all the wrong reasons. And maybe some of you have experienced that, experienced that in Christianity. Let me tell you, it's going to happen. There are hypocrites. There are hypocrites in all sorts of things. And sometimes even you or I may be the hypocrite. And in the flesh... It's going to be a temptation to fake it. It's going to be in the temptation to be, try to be moral. It's going to be in the temptation to try to make people think more highly of you than you really are. But as you produce those uh, righteous deeds and you try to do good, there's nothing more miserable than that. Because as a Christian, as a one who knows God, this, this trying to produce this uh, goodness in your own life, it, 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 it is miserable because the flesh is not good and you'll always feel empty. The solution is the power of the Holy Spirit. It is when we reject the flesh, and we want the Holy Spirit to clean our inside, and we have this sweet, kind heart that loves God and leads to good actions in our life. And we do it without pride, and we do it without contempt, and we do it with a pure heart. Like I said, a goodness from the Lord is doing the right things with the right heart. That's what the power of the Holy Spirit can do in your life. And that's the goodness we should desire from the Holy Spirit is a heart full of goodness and, and actions that are good because they flow from the goodness of God. Jesus mentions in the Sermon on the Mount, he tells us exactly how this process happens in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. He says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You say, well, what is the light? The light is Jesus Christ in you. And when you have the light of Christ inside of you, and you're full of Jesus Christ, you begin to brightly shine to the world. And you begin to be radically different than the world. And all of a sudden, as your light shines, and people see your good works, and they see your heart is full of God, what do they do? They give glory to God. It is that they love God, and you know they love God, and they do these good things, and they are righteous because their heart is right with the Lord. That's the goodness of God. And when you do that, you bring glory to God. Listen, as a Christian, we are not saved by our good works. We are not saved because of our righteousness, but as Christians, we should have righteousness in our life. We should have good works in our life. And the difference is that our heart is changed. It's not out of competition. It's not out of a self-promotion. It's not out of guilt. A lot of legalistic people say this is do's and don'ts, but it's not do's and don'ts. It is that your heart is so radically changed by the goodness of God that your deeds shine forth with the gospel of Christ and God gets the glory. It's not what I am doing for my own promotion. It is what God has done, and to God be the glory. The power of goodness is so powerful when you experience it in your life or when you see it in someone else's life. Listen, when you see someone do something with a pure heart, it's so powerful. You realize they don't serve because they have to, but they want to serve. They don't They don't don't come to your side and help you or walk through you with some difficult things because they have to, but because you know they want to. You know there's a goodness in their heart that they're not doing it to be self-promoting or propping themselves up. They are walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, full of goodness and shining like a bright light in this world. That's what I pray for our church. That's what I pray for my own life. When God called me to preach, I told God, and he probably didn't listen to me, but I said, Lord, I don't want to be a showman, and I don't want to be a salesman, all right? Listen, I don't want to put on a show, and I don't want to sell you something, because the gospel itself can stand on its own, and my life, if I don't back up what I say, and if I'm not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, there is nothing in my life that I can self-promote that can help you anyways, And so it's not what I can do. It's what God has done in our lives. And the goodness of God in our life, we begin to look at it from a different perspective. I don't have to preach. I get to preach. I don't have to serve. I get to serve. I don't have to take care of my family. I get to take care of my family. I don't have to be a good person. I get to be a good person because the goodness of God that's happened in my life and in your life, if God has been good to you, and he has, if you are a Christian, you know the goodness of God. You are a sinner. You deserved wrath and hell and the, and the judgment of God. But the Bible says, while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. You didn't earn any part of your salvation. And if you've been born again, you know the goodness of God. The goodness of God in your life will start to produce the right heart and that right heart begins to produce the right things in your life and you don't have to, but you want to. You begin to read your Bible and you begin to pray and you begin to become righteous in your life and your light begins to shine, not because of who you are, but because of who God is and the goodness of God in your life. Listen, Jesus said, I did not come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill the law. And those who walk after me, they walk in the commandments of Christ. And, and, and you must do these things in your life. And you don't, it doesn't matter if you keep every law or every dietary law or every ceremonial law. The Pharisees would keep over 700 laws. He's saying unless your righteousness exceeds their righteousness, you will not see the kingdom of God. You know what he was talking about? Unless you have the right heart. I don't care how many times you go to church. I don't care how many times you help somebody. I don't care how many times that you do it all with the wrong motivations or, reason, or the wrong reasons. What matters is what the heart is and what the actions are, and they got to match. And they must be that way. And for you and for me, that's what the goodness of God is in our lives. And this morning, have you ever just sit and thought about the goodness of God? I mean, you know, we sang about it a little bit earlier. All my life, God has been faithful. And we sing about the goodness of God, and we talk about the goodness of God. But I think many times as Christians, we kind of glaze that over because we don't really dig deep into the goodness of God many times. But if you think about God, He is a good God. That's part of His character. God is good. And out of His goodness, good things have come. And mainly, a relationship through Christ that we can have with Him. And for you and I, as we sit here this morning on the eve of Thanksgiving, how thankful are you for God's goodness in your life? I mean, how have you reflected that goodness towards others in your life, in your families, in your home, in your communities, at your workplace? Would they say that they see an example of God's goodness that's in your life? Will they say that you are doing the right things with the right heart? Would they say that you're not self-promoting or trying to be a showboater, but yet they know your heart is pure and your actions are pure because you have been changed by the power of the Holy Spirit in your life? Listen, in the flesh, you're going to want to be self-promoting. You're going to want to be doing the right things for the wrong reasons. But when you yield to the power of the Holy Spirit, He produces a testimony in your heart that shines bright before the world. And as they see your heart and they see your deeds or your actions behind that heart, they will give God the glory, because of what He can do in your life, and He produces this goodness. You know what I love in Psalm 23 when David is closing out his song in his uh, the, the shepherd's psalm. He says, "Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever." Listen, the goodness of God has begun in your life. And for us as Christians, we must submit to that goodness and allow that to flow. Last week, I talked a little bit about kindness being a, as we're just a conduit of God's kindness to the world. Same is the true with goodness. The goodness that flowed from God into you needs to flow to other people. And the character of God that we see for his love and his mercy and because of his goodness he gave Jesus Christ on our behalf should be the same goodness that the lost world sees in us, that our families see in us, that our church sees in us, that they see the goodness of God, not because of who we are, but because of who he is. So this morning, if you would bow your heads, close your eyes with me. I want to spend a few moments just thinking about the goodness of God. Maybe you're here this morning, you realize you've never even experienced that goodness that I've been talking about. I've got good news for you this morning, you can. The Bible says that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's not a person that's ever deserved the goodness of God. But praise God, we don't have to deserve it. God is good and he has given it, not based upon who you are, but based upon who he is. And if you are here this morning, you can call on the name of Jesus, and you can ask Him to forgive you of your sins, and you can believe in His name. This morning, the Bible says you can become born again. Literally, you get a brand new start, your life and your sins will be forgiven, and you are in right standing with God again. This morning, maybe if you want to do that, why were you sit? You can lift up a prayer to the Lord. You don't have to come talk to me or anyone else, or walk an aisle, or check a card, you could just say a prayer like this, say, dear Jesus, I know I have sinned, and I repent of that, Lord, and I believe, I trust, I know that you died for me, and that your payment has paid the price for my sin, and this morning, I want to be born again, I want to be made right with God, I want to be in right standing with you, Lord, And if you'll express that to the Lord and mean that in your heart by faith, the Bible says you can become born again, and this morning you can know the goodness of God. Or maybe you're here this morning and you realize, you know what? I haven't been walking in the goodness of God. Man, God has been so good to me. He has saved me. He's given me a family. He has given me a great church. He's given me a great home. He's given me a great place to come and be a part of my life and even a great country to be able to be free, to be able to do the things that we do in this country, man, the goodness of God is all around us, and we need to yield to that goodness and be thankful for that goodness and be grateful that God is good, and we need to let that goodness flow through us. Pray for the Holy Spirit to change your heart. Maybe you're coming to church because you feel like you have to, or maybe you were taught growing up you check a box Or maybe you feel like you serve out of compulsion or obligation. Or maybe you're doing good things because you just feel like it's going to help you and you're standing with the Lord. Let me tell you, none of those things will fulfill you. It's when you reject the flesh, you trust in the power of the Holy Spirit. He produces this goodness in you that flows to the world, that it's undeniable that it is Christ and His work He's done in your heart. And they will glorify God because of who you are in Christ. And this morning, maybe you just need to submit your heart and say, Lord, I need that goodness. I want that goodness to flow through my heart again. That I don't want to do these out of obligations or out of being a hypocrite. But Lord, I want a pure heart. And I want to do them for the right reasons this morning. And the Bible says you can have a restored fellowship with the Lord. The Bible says if you confess your sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us your sins and to wash you or clean you, cleanse you from all unrighteousness. This morning, you can have a brand new slate. And going into Thanksgiving and going into time with your family and those this week, they could see a pure heart who loves God and loves others and has the right actions because of what God has done in their life. Whatever it may be, we're going to have a time invitation commitment. I just encourage you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. We're going to play a song and just for a minute or two. Right where you sit, I just ask you to continue to lift your heart to the Lord and say, here's my heart, Lord. Take and seal it for your purposes above, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.